Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journey. In, in the first year especially, we sent school supplies close to 1,500 kids across Central and South America, and we received their artwork back in return. And our first collection featured this beautiful, amazing artwork from these children. And something became very clear to me, and that was that what these children are seeing happening around them is affecting every single one of us on this earth. And it is so important that we pay attention. Fashion is an industry that can reach billions of people all over the world, and realizing that we have the power to influence people's decisions and actually create change, that really kept me going. And every t-shirt that we created told a story. I wasn't just having a fashion brand, I was creating change, or at least I'd like to think that I was, and I still do every day. And that is so inspirational. Thank you for taking the time and sharing with us today your experience, uh, Rain Tees. Maybe if you could just tell me a little bit about how you came to set the organization up and what inspired you in the first place. It was in 2006 that I moved back from Europe and while living abroad I had met some incredible designers and they were doing fashion, fashion accessories, some of them were artists and they were just creating the most amazing work at the time. And when I moved back to the States, I thought that it would be great if I could help them launch their collections here in the U.S. So I started an import and distribution company and specialized in higher-end fashion accessories and contracted with many of these designers. But what was happening is at that time, the economy was just starting to crumble and they were being forced um, to find ways to produce their items for as as cheaply as they possibly could, which meant that instead of continuing to make their brands in Italy or France or Spain or, or London where they had been, they had to suddenly compete with all these luxury brands that were being forced to move to Asian countries and, and just countries where the cost to manufacture goods was so much lower. But that meant that a lot of them had to sacrifice perhaps the quality or human rights. <laughs> and this is a thing that a lot of brands face as they grow is how do you continue to be viable in the market without having to sacrifice things that are important to you. And I saw this happening over and over again, and it was really upsetting and devastating. And the final straw for me was actually, uh, I was dating a guy in LA and he made a comment about children working in one of his factories in Asia. And I, I thought he was joking and he made it sound like a joke, but he wasn't. And he got really upset when I challenged him about it and, and said, that sounds really wrong. And he said, well, you don't understand. It's really difficult. And it's better than having kids on the street. And he said, you know, there's children working in almost every single factory in these countries. And that was really the moment where I realized that I first had to educate myself about what's really going on. And secondly, the more I found out, the more I realized that we have to do something to change what's going on because fashion is one of the most toxic industries on the planet in terms of not just how the clothes are made, but how people are treated along the way. So that was what made me want to start a brand that was ethical and, 
and could give back for every purchase that someone made, they could do something good at the same time. So there's a long answer to a short question. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fascinating because at the time, I suppose people weren't really talking about social entrepreneurship, I don't think, certainly not in the same ways they talk about it today. Were there others that inspired you that you saw doing interesting things when you set out? The path was not clear at all in the sense that I didn't even, you know, people say, oh, you're like Tom's shoes. And (laughs) at the time when I started my brand, I didn't even know who Tom's was. I had no idea. I'd never heard of Blake or the one for one idea. I really, I was launching this from a small town in Ohio. That's where I was living. Um, It's where I'm originally from. So I, I just didn't know what I was doing. And that really held me back a lot in the beginning But bit by bit, I became introduced to people with the same ideas who were trying to do similar things. But it was still a new concept back then. (laughs) Now it's definitely amazingly more mainstream. And that's really exciting and very, very inspiring at the same time. But when I started it, it was really challenging for me, for sure. Yeah, and and I guess the whole thing of starting something from nothing and having a sense, because I'm sure along the way you had no small number of detractors or people who questioned you and said you're dreaming or that's not possible or what are you thinking and so forth. What was the reaction and how did you keep going in the early days? Yeah, the initial reaction was absolutely that I was crazy and, you know, I was more or less, I don't want to say failing <laughs> because yes. I, I worked so hard, but I was failing at trying to sell and retail very high end luxury items from Europe. And, you know, like I said, the economy was crashing, like retail was plummeting and people weren't taking chances. They were desperate for the, you know, the cheapest items that they could find so that they could have a really nice markups that they, they were just scared. They didn't want to get hurt. And I totally understand that. But here I was trying to launch something with an extremely high cost because even though organic cotton is now come down a bit in price at that time, it was so expensive. And that was the hardest thing for me along the way was realizing that to do things ethically or to try to make a difference, it's so expensive. And it's really frustrating to think that, you know, when we try to do the right thing, it's, it seems so impossible. And that, that's so frustrating and was really hard for me because you want to compete and you want to be able to, to have people afford the product that you're selling, but it is a lot more expensive to buy these, the items that it takes to make a product that's ethical so yes yes did the concept evolve from what you first thought the way you conceived it or how you thought about what it would look like did that change and what is the picture of what exactly the scale of your operation is today yeah it completely changed I mean when I first started I I had all my ideas and how I thought I wanted it to go but (laughs) how things actually turn out is, is usually not what you think it will be in the initial stages So now the brand has really evolved so much. Um, In the past six years, I mean, we've we've expanded into, you know, we started with just Central and South America. We were planting a tree in a rainforest for every item that we sold. Now we plant in Africa. We've planted in Asia. We planted in the United States as well. And we have a pen pal program that connects our fans to children all over the world. 
we have more than a thousand people involved in that. It's been an, an incredible thing to see unfold. But these are all programs and ideas and things that really evolved as the brand grew. So, you know, I had no idea when I started where things would end up, but it's it's been a really interesting journey. Constantly changing, of course. <laughs> so what were one or two of the biggest challenges that you've faced? I suppose building a, a brand, maybe the quality of the product you're developing as well. I mean, were there one or two particular challenges that you can highlight? Yes, uh, there's so many, but I think the biggest things were production, finding a factory that could adhere to the kind of standards that, that I wanted. Um, just because especially again at the time when I first launched these these issues that I wanted to bring up and discuss and and really change were things that people just weren't as aware of or interested in <laughs> now human rights especially in the apparel industry is a much bigger conversation but when I started it, it really wasn't so that was challenging also I, I launched this almost completely on my own I mean I had some amazing people that helped I had a designer that initially donated her time to the project, and, and people like that really uh, I will be forever grateful for. But a lot of the time it was it was me and my computer screen and a whole lot of anxiety <laughs> because <laughs> I'd, never, I'd never launched an apparel line. There's so much to learn. I mean, fashion is a tough business. I know every business has its challenges, but my goodness, fashion is so tough, and there's so much to learn in the beginning. And I think it's why so many fashion brands, especially are here one day and gone the next, because it takes a lot of money, a lot of knowledge, a lot of great contacts. You need to know the, the right people to help you through the initial stages when you first launch a fashion business, because so much can go wrong and does go wrong. So those were my biggest challenges, I think. Building a business in its own right is difficult. Building a social business where you're adding this other element, which is, you know, so important. How did you go about this? Uh, what, what kind of attitude did you need to cultivate to keep going in the early days where you're, you have to learn as much as you can, presumably, and keeping yourself motivated during that time? Yeah, the motivation is really challenging, especially when you're hearing no, 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 <laughs> consistently every day. Um, I think what kept me going was that every so often, of course, you get a yes. And I was, in, in the first year especially, we sent school supplies to uh, close to 1,500 kids across Central and South America. And we received their artwork back in return. And our first collection featured... A, 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 this beautiful, amazing artwork from these children. And as we got back each piece of art, something became very clear to me. And that was that what these children are seeing happening around them is, is affecting every single one of us on this earth. And it is so important that we pay attention to the huge amount of environmental degradation that's occurring on our planet right now. And seeing that and seeing that fashion's an industry that can reach billions of people all over the world and realizing that we have the power to influence people's decisions and actually create change, that really kept me going. And every t-shirt that we created told a story. And that really, I wasn't just having a fashion brand. I was, I was creating change, or at least I'd like to think that I was, and I still do every day. And that is so inspirational. Um, and I think it's why we were able to get 
some great press in the beginning too. I did all my own PR when I first started and that taught me a lot and seeing people react to the stories of these children and, and seeing that, that people were inspired and they wanted to help and they wanted to change things that really kept me going more than anything else. Yes, this is a common common theme when you reach out to people that it can be an amazing experience to see how many people are willing to get behind you and support you in one way or another and willing to back what you're doing and believe in you. Hugely helpful, especially on the days when everything seemed to be going wrong. <laughs> and then you'd get one email like, hey, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. I'm here to support you. That can make a world of difference. On the other hand, I mean, building a brand is no small thing. And I mean, on the face of it, one, I think some people assume that it's a fair trade or you know ethical brand that it's got a good story to tell and people would take to it right away. On the other hand, from my experience talking to, to people who've done this, they found it very, very challenging and relentless, really. What did you discover about communicating what you're doing and what did you learn about doing that along the way? It's interesting you bring up the fact that these ethical brands think, oh, I'll get a lot of attention because I'm doing the right thing. Or it's really, that's, that's the hardest thing is because you still have to be competitive. Even if you are really making a difference and, and doing things differently, it's, it's, you have to have a brand that is something people want to buy. And what I found really quickly was with my, my first collection, it was, it was very cute and it was great in a lot of ways, but I didn't do enough market research and market research is so crucial. And now, um, for myself and all of my clients, the first thing I say is, have you researched this? You know, what is out there? How, how do you compete? What do you need to do to make sure that your brand is relevant, that it's, that it's trending? Um, and in the beginning I kind of be, I think because I came from high fashion and, you know, I was the girl at fashion week in New York and buying the expensive shoes and flying all over the place and living that very, fashion styled life. And and I hated it. So I think I wanted to go the complete opposite direction. And a part of me forgot that you do have to pay attention to trends. You do have to pay attention to what people want. And it's really important to make sure that when you create a product, that it has a place in the market and that it's really going to sell. So I feel like now I have a much better grasp of that. And I've really uh, devoted a lot of my time now to to branding and really understanding marketing and advertising. And these are the things that can really keep a brand going or cause it to fail. So it's really important, especially with an eco brand or ethical brand or green brand. I don't let any of my clients use the word green anymore because it, it has almost a negative connotation now. And so learning these things and learning what's going on in the marketplace is so important. And I think that that can make the difference between a brand that succeeds and a brand that fails. Clearly, a lot of hard work goes into that. What does that literally mean? How do you test your ideas? There's a lot of different ways you can test ideas. Um, The most important thing in fashion, for example, is creating a team around you that's in the industry, that understands the trends that are happening at that moment, who you know, people have connections with buyers. I mean, the best way to tell what's going to sell or what's not going to sell is to ask a buyer, what, what are they buying? They study these things. They study what's trending. They study the marketplace. So for us, it's really important to, to speak with the buyers and they're not always right. So you have to also invest time in looking at, you know, general consumer trends as well. But you know, there's all kinds of little things you can do. You can, we've had focus groups, we've had all kinds of things that, 
that have really made a difference. And I think it varies from brand to brand, but overall it's, it's talking to buyers and then doing your own consumer research. So those are important things. Right. And I suppose continually questioning. Yeah. And testing the market and knowing your competition, you know, knowing what they're doing, how their products are selling. All these things are important. Yeah. I suppose on the one hand, being a social entrepreneur or having that aspect of what you're doing, maybe sometimes some people are a little bit less inclined towards the, the sales and marketing side of things or the marketing and advertising side of things. Maybe some coming from a more nonprofit kind of context or maybe sometimes just questions about advertising and things and yet it's very hard to to succeed and particularly with a brand without having a strong marketing focus yes very very good point how do you balance the social and the the business or how do you think about that how do you include the social dimension into your decision making or how does that work a couple different ways and what i found is is really important for me is that i i'm more of the visionary i'm the artist i'm very creative and I'm hugely passionate about the work that we're doing all over the world. So for me, it's important to surround myself with people who are more strategic, who are more um, able to look at the brand as a whole picture and and focus on the, the distribution, the production, all of these things. So I think you have to know where your strengths are and then you surround yourself with people who can fill in the blanks. And that's how successful businesses are born and that's how you keep a business moving. Is making sure that you're not doing everything and that, you know, in a business, especially with a social mission and, you know, a brand that gives back, you have someone that's very well versed in how those programs should work. So, for example, we don't directly have our own tree planting programs. We make sure that we work with the best organizations in the world that specialize in tree planting and have people working on the ground every single day with the local communities in which our trees are planted. So what that does is it makes sure that we are getting the most efficient, the best trained, the most amazing people doing our our programs for us so that we can focus on what we're great at. If we tried to create our own tree planting programs, for example, we probably wouldn't be that great at it because it's not our area of expertise. We would have to find the best people, hire the best people. Whereas if we work with organizations that are already doing this and excelling at it and creating incredible change around the world, that makes our job so much easier. So it's really looking at your company and figuring out, okay, again, how can I surround my company with the best people that that complement my skills or my expertise Everyone focuses on what they're good at. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, that it puts the focus, I suppose, we talk a lot about social entrepreneurs, but the idea of social enterprise or social businesses, that it's not just about the entrepreneur, the idea of team building and so forth. Did you have any mentors along the way? Yes, I've had some incredible mentors along the way, and that's made a huge difference. And now I'm surrounded by so many more brands that are, doing incredible things in the world in all different ways, whether it's environmental or the human rights issues or children's issues, health issues. There's so much happening and that is incredible to see. And also it opens up the space for partnerships and collaborations. And every day of the week, I'm talking to someone doing something amazing and discussing a partnership with them. And, you know, how can we pull together the people that support us, our resources, the talent that 
you know, we've accumulated and the other brands accumulated, how can we bring all that together to do even more? So that's really inspiring to see. Absolutely. And as you say, they're more younger generation keen to create social change and, and build organizations like that. What would you say are some of the mistakes or errors or things that social entrepreneurs may make or are prone to make? There are many mistakes that social entrepreneurs may be more prone to make. I think the, the main one is really what I was just speaking about when we try to create our own solutions to problems that exist when there's already the solutions out there and it's a matter of partnering with the best people who are already solving those issues. So, for example, I have a lot of um, people around me that, that want to start their own charity or, or do their own thing, which is incredible, but a lot of times it's better to just raise funds and donate them to an incredible organization that's already doing great work. So that's something that social entrepreneurs really need to look at is Am I, am I really trying to create something that already exists um, and looking at that very closely? Uh, another mistake would be not looking into funding enough in the beginning, knowing exactly how much money you're going to need to create a business that can survive that first five-year period and become something really viable. So those are the two things that I think are really, really important for social entrepreneurs to look at. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. And you mentioned funding. How have you approached the funding? Funding's always a challenge, uh, <laughs> especially in the beginning. I mean, I still consider ourselves a small brand, a growing brand, new brand. So it's it's always a matter of okay, where's where's the money coming from, and and how is it working? I was I was fortunate in the beginning that my investor that I launched the import and distribution company with, he stayed with me when I launched Rain Tees, the apparel brand. So that was hugely helpful. And I know a lot of people who want to start brands that are making a difference. It's challenging. Funding is the hardest part for, for most of these, these new companies. So the good news is there are so many more ways now than there ever have been to secure funding, especially for a business that has a social mission. And it's just about knowing where those resources are. And, and there are, a quick Google search can bring up hundreds if not thousands of opportunities for funding so that's really exciting to see okay it does seem to be an area where, the, where there's a lot of change at the moment more funding opportunities available you seem to have been very successful at the pr and social media just developing a brand what advice would you give to other social entrepreneurs who who want to do this other advice for social entrepreneurs would be know the market like i said earlier you have to know who the people are that are going to be buying your product. Um, look at other companies that are doing similar things and look at the criticism of those companies. That's what I've been doing lately is I'm looking, okay, well, how would someone criticize me? Like, what can we continue to, to do better? Where are we lacking where we could be, you know, bringing more to the table? So consistently evaluating your own progress and, and what you're doing, how you could be doing it better is really important. And then, I mean, I read all the time, constantly looking at, um, other people's opinions and ideas and how other people are doing things. So I think that's really important to constantly surround yourself with new information and new ideas, new people. Always say yes to like great events and things that could give you a bigger network. It's Networking is really important. PR is hugely important as well. I don't think you have to start out with a PR firm. You can do it yourself. That's how I started. Um, you have to educate yourself on it, though. Um, 
you have to know how to pitch an editor, what to say, what not to say. I mean, I made so many mistakes in the beginning with PR. Um, some of the first samples I sent out to editors were, looking back, quite atrocious and things that I would never, ever send now. But it's just a learning process. And I, I talked to brands. I said, look, how did you do this? How did you land a feature in the New York Times? Like, what, how can I do that? And when you have something that people are going to care about and that's really important, people want to help. I think overall, when people understand the issues that are going on, they want to help. They want to make a difference, too. So it's, it's just about getting yourself as educated as possible so that you know how to get people's attention and, and get them to get behind the issues that, that you want to promote. Absolutely. Resilience, a certain resilience to keep going and to, to keep asking. Resilience is huge. Yes. It's, I'm, I'm really tenacious. I know that I wouldn't have this company if, if it weren't for a lot of tenacity in the face of a lot of adversity because, like I said, I heard no all the time. I mean, out of the hundreds and hundreds of stores that I pitched, a large amount said yes, but an even larger amount said no. And it's it's having that that will to keep going when everyone's saying it won't work, and also knowing when to listen to the people that are saying no and finding out why and and reevaluating what you're doing. Uh, absolutely, it's a finding a balance, I suppose. Who inspires you? Is there anyone who inspires you now when things are difficult and challenging? So many people throughout history and, and around me in, in L.A. and around the world. And I think uh, the children that we work with are the biggest inspiration because their stories are affecting me every single day of the week. I'm hearing new stories from them consistently. And that's why I wrote the children's book from the jungle, because I would hear these incredible stories and I would speak about them and write about them and everyone kept saying, oh, can you email me that story? It was so incredible. And especially the, the story of this one little girl in Costa Rica who uh, was witnessing these these sweet little monkeys called the Mono Titi. They were getting hit by cars and electrocuted by power lines because Costa Rica had such an influx of tourism so quickly and it grew so fast that roads were built and electrical lines were built very, very quickly. And the species in Costa Rica had a very short time period to adjust. And this species of monkey, the monotiti, was going extinct. And this little girl was noticing how they were using the power lines and, and thought, well, there has to be a solution. And she had some blue rope in her garage. And uh, she said, Mom, will you help me? I want to string this blue rope between the trees. And maybe then the monkeys will use the blue rope instead of the power lines because they'll, they'll notice the blue color. They're really smart monkeys. They're going to figure out that the blue is safe. And so... Little by little, they started stringing up these ropes throughout her town in Costa Rica, and the monkeys started using the ropes. And the most incredible part of the story is that scientists went to Costa Rica about a year after this was happening and realized that the monotiti monkey population had increased so much that it was on the verge of coming off the endangered species list. And that's the first time that's ever happened, that a species has bounced back and it was all because this 11-year-old girl had this incredible idea. And it was stories like that that made me realize, you know, our children have so much potential if, if we just listen to them and give them the opportunities and an education so that they can use their, their intellect and their creativity to make, make a difference. Um, you know, kids can change the world. So I put stories like that in my children's book and so that more and more people could, could read about them and be inspired. And 
overall, it's these children that are are my greatest inspiration on a daily basis, for sure. Well, I think we should all get get a copy of that book. <laughs> and, uh, is there any other book or resource like that that you found helpful and that you'd recommend to other social entrepreneurs? So many. Like I said, I'm constantly reading books. <laughs> um, I just make a list and email it to you and then you can post it or chat about it. Um, remind me to do that and I'll send you like a little list of books. Um, yeah. It really is just reading about entrepreneurs who inspire you because you, you want a book that's going to be you know, something you look forward to flipping open and turning the next page each time. So really it's about looking at the kind of business that you want and finding entrepreneurs that have done similar things. I think that's important. I, you know, a lot of people recommend books to me by entrepreneurs. It's like, well, I don't really want to have a, you know, a company that makes wooden doors, you know? Yes. And of course there's still things to learn from everyone, but finding things that are in line with what you're doing is important. Yes. And are there one or two figures, inspirational figures in the in the world of social business that you, you've come across? For sure. I mean, I, I love what Richard Branson's doing, especially recently. I mean, he is doing a lot for the environment. Um, the last time I saw him speak was in um, Rio for the United Nations Summit. And then he was speaking about the issues we have right now in our oceans. And he's working to to save our oceans and you know without our oceans we can't survive so I, I feel like he's a really inspirational figure right now especially environmentally um, and there's so many there's so many great entrepreneurs in, in social business right now but he's he's one that I think is, is doing incredible things excellent excellent and what's your vision for rain Tees over the next couple of years what's the next step the next step is you know we have a new collection that we're working on and it's, it's so much bigger than our than our first line we created a men's line. We have, you know, a brand new children's line that's really adorable, and we're launching a tote bag collection as well. So we have a lot of exciting things happening, and, and I can't wait to share it with everyone. Thank you very much, Beth, for sharing your journey, and it's very inspirational. And I wish you the best of luck with it all. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.